0: Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. In just about an hour, people around the world will be celebrating that they've survived another one of these shows. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast And I am your host, Brian Levine, reminding you, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are In order to listen to this fine show, so if you're not, click off Okay, there you go In this week's show, way, way, way pre-recorded, because Kevin's traveling uh, We have a visit with uh, Ash from the Chaps Guide and we're going to talk about tailoring, and then we have two more questions of Fred, Hannah's mind, head, whatever, what I call it, inside Fred's head. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Fred and I tackle two questions that I think are, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, this this whole series with uh, with Fred has been really fascinating, and uh, it's been a lot of fun to record. It's been <laughs> painful sometimes to record, but. Uh, yeah, so I think you'll I think you'll enjoy these two, and then uh, music mailbag and rant all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine Radio Show, and as most of you are listening to this show, some of you are already packing and getting ready to go to the Chicago Pipe Show, and I hope to see as many of you there. Uh, if uh, if you see me, and <laughs> yeah, it's been. 2 years or 3 years since I've been to Chicago so if you see me say hi and if I look confused just come up and introduce yourself please it's been a while um but I am looking forward to it uh how many of you out there will spend more time picking out what pipes and tobaccos to bring to the show than picking out what kind of clothes yeah i know i will so there. All right. All right. Let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go.
1: This is Phil Morgan, general manager of Missouri Corn Cob Pipes in Washington, Missouri.
0: You're back on the Pipes Magazine Radio Show and visiting us from the old country is uh, Ash of the Chaps Guide. Ash, welcome back!
2: Thanks, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here again. Always a
0: pleasure. So, in a, in a previous, uh, in one of the previous segments, we've taught we've touched on tailoring or bespoke, which is custom made for us Americans. Um. But let, let's talk about the importance of first of all. What is what? Uh, let's get the definitions. What is bespoke when you're when we're talking about clothing or shoes or? Okay, so there are different
2: tiers of um, preparation for your clothing. Uh, bespoke being the very highest, and bespoke would be where you go into a tailor's. Uh, shall we say Savile Row? Probably the most famous uh, tailoring street in the world in London. And, uh, you know, many, many different tailors there. And, for instance, Deeves and Hawks, number one Row, the best piece of real estate on the street. Deeves and Hawks have been in existence since 1771. So prior to the formulation of the United States, they've been creating bespoke suits in that store for all of that time. And when you go into a, a store like that, um, you will be... First of all, they will measure you, right? So if you want a bespoke suit made, this is not a suit which is on the rack, which you try on and they'll adjust for you. They will actually cut the suit specifically for your personal needs. And that will involve taking your measurements more than once. And they actually cut templates to uh, cut the various pieces of cloth. They will make quite often uh, a test garment, which you will come in, try on, they will adjust it. They will alter you know, the, the way that it's being cut. Then they will make the final product, which you will need to try on halfway through its preparation of being made. Uh, and then we have our final uh, garment at the end, which may be several months between you walking into the store and you know expressing your interest in a garment. Uh, typically, a bespoke suit on one of those Savile Row shops will cost you upwards of three, four thousand pounds worth you know, the, the end amount of money being determined by what, you know, your specific needs are. So that is bespoke. That is the finest level of tailoring, which is possible to achieve anywhere in the world, I think. So we're
0: talking and just doing a quick conversion about 4000 to 5000 U.S. dollars for a basic jacket and trousers.
2: Yeah, that would yeah. be, you know, Ballpark figure, again, it entirely depends on the cloth that you choose, buttons, certain sort of preferences you might have, waistcoat, extra pair of trousers. You know, this is within your ability because when you're having Bespoke, you can have anything you want. All of those little touches which make the suit special, you know, the the actual lapels that you have, the pockets, the, the buttons, everything like that, it's within your gift because... They're making it from scratch specifically wow. for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then the same thing with shoes as well. There's also bespoke shoes where they measure you and cut it directly for your foot and your style.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, this, if you're in London and you've got a, you know, a bulging wallet, <laughs> their, shoes is one way you can make that wallet a bit thinner. Um, some of the best shoemakers in the world are in London. John Lobb, for instance, widely considered to be the best shoemaker in the world. They've got the Royal Warrant, they they, uh, make shoes for the Royal Family. Um, Then you've got um, George Cleverley, for instance, another long-term shoe manufacturer, bespoke shoes. You go into that store, they will measure your foot, then they'll cut a last from wood, which is a wooden representation of your foot. And they will build the shoe around that sort of facsimile of your foot. So you have a perfect shoe, which fits you and you alone. You know, and, you're, and for each foot, it will be uniquely different to your foot. Unlike going into a store and buying an eight, because your foot might not be an eight. It might be a seven and you know nine tenths, yeah. but you're wearing an eight because that's the, the closest size which conforms to your foot. When you're going bespoke, it's perfection. And your feet really, they do change as you get older, but um, yeah, it's quite a unique experience. Again, a similar sort of money very very expensive on the shoes but of course shoes um we feel a little more comfortable buying bespoke shoes because they are likely to last for decades so it's something which will pay you off in the fullness of time in fact you've
0: done a wonderful video on maintaining your shoes and keeping them looking good and in the right condition and all that considering you also live in england where it's oftentimes wet on the ground, and you're walking on them with shoes and mud and all kinds of stuff. But uh, let's go downscale a little bit for those of us that aren't, um, you know, county lords living in a manor full of uh, full of servants and acres and going out on a hunt every Saturday morning, um, which is not us. But when you, the next step down would be to get a piece of be would be to get a good piece of clothing and then have it
2: tailored correctly, right? Absolutely. I mean, well, even before that stage, we Mm. we live in an amazing time if you're somebody who wants to be an intentionally well-dressed man. Because of the wonder of the internet, what brings us together today from thousands of miles apart, uh, allows you to commission a suit from anywhere in the world. So there are many online tailors I'm not going to mention any names. I've reviewed a few on my channel. But there are tailors who you can send your your measurements to uh, and the the garment will be run up in. I don't know. I think I've had one done in Singapore, Hong Kong, places like that, where there's a great deal of tailoring skill. Uh, It's as accurate as your measurements, unfortunately. So you must make sure your measurements are well taken. But um, then we're talking about just a few hundred pounds. You know, you can have a custom suit, as they would call that, for a few hundred, maybe £400 for a particularly good one. So it doesn't have to cost 10 times that for a bespoke suit on Savile Row. You can achieve that look at a much more modest price. Step in one tier you though, know. And this is the world which I inhibit, inhabit, really. I'm not a man of wealth, I have to say. Uh, but, you know, you can go into a store and you can buy a suit, right? So... Go to a department store, you buy that uh, that uh, two piece single breasted navy suit, which I suggest every gentleman would probably have in his wardrobe, a very universally functional suit. And of course, you know, you buy um, my measurements I'm a 32 waist, I'm a 40 chest. But I'm probably not actually a 32 and a 40 chest. I might be a 32 and a half and a 39 and a half. So I'm making a sort of compromise by. Buying a garment which is fitted to the majority of the population. The way you can get around that is by taking that garment to uh, a tailor, a seamster, uh, a seamstress, and or seamster, I guess, and um, they will uh, make amendments to that suit so that it fits you as well as it possibly can. It'll make it just that little bit better. It'll conform to your individual shape. And that way, you know, that'll only cost a relatively modest amount of money. Yet you end up with a garment which fits you pretty well. And, uh, you know, when you take that into account, that's probably the most economic way of getting a suit which fits you well. Because, you know, there's no doubt about it. If you went out and you spent £1,000 on a fabulous suit and it doesn't fit you well, it's not going to do you any favours. Whereas you went out and you pay £100 for a suit, but it fits you well because you've had it tailored. It's going to look better. Than that suit, mm-hmm. which costs 10 times as much. Fit is the most important thing when it comes to your garments. If they fit you well, a lot of the sins of the actual cloth and the material is overlooked.
0: Fit first, material second. Because you Absolutely. want. You do want to get good material, though, because uh, many of you, many of the show listeners have seen me, and when I'm dressed up, sometimes uh, those suits I've spent more. I might have bought those suits even um, on the uh in pre-owned places because uh, a lot of people stop wearing suits or they retire and then they donate their suits well you go find a suit uh pre-owned and then you spend three or four times what you just paid for the piece of clothing on the proper tailoring but a hundred hundred and fifty dollars or you know, or so for the proper tailoring and you've got a great looking you, you've got a great looking outfit. And I believe that each of us should own at least one really good fitting uh, formal suit. We don't need to wear a black tie, but yeah
2: I would agree entirely. I mean I think every gentleman in his wardrobe should have access to a suit. Because, you know, let's be honest, we go through life. We never know what's around the corner. And that suit, let, let us say we have a, a charcoal gray suit, probably the the um, you know the 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 Swiss Army knife of the suit world. Yeah. That charcoal grey suit is always there for the high points in your life. So you know the the wedding day, or when you're invited to somebody else's wedding, or you know when you uh, you want to have a a big presentation in work and you want to look that little bit better. That charcoal grey suit has got you covered. It's also there for the low points in your life. So you know when you have to uh, go to a funeral or when you're having a job interview, that suit is, is always going to be required. So I think every gentleman needs a decent suit in his wardrobe because let's be honest, we never know what's around the corner. And it's always nice to have that insurance policy in the wardrobe that, you know, whatever happens, I can pull it off. One good suit,
0: one good pair of shoes. And that's really all you need. Nowadays, unless you're working in the uh, unless you're working in a very formal industry, which then you need a couple to balance it out and give them a break in between.
2: Yeah, you're right there, but as you very rightly say, there's you don't need to spend a pile of money. I mean, I buy lots of things pre-owned. I mean, mm-hmm. eBay is a marvelous avenue to access. You know, the the world is your marketplace really, and you can buy some remarkable deals. I mean, I've had some beautiful sports jackets. Um, You know, black tie, white tie, even, you know, hardly ever been worn. Overcoats, let's not restrict it to just formal clothing. You know, even your outerwear. I've bought some beautiful overcoats uh, online for a fraction of their price, a little bit of tailoring, and it's as if they were made for you. Absolutely.
0: Ash, thank you very much. This is, it's been great getting, having you on the show and getting to know you even better as we do these more and more. So thank you again.
2: It's my absolute pleasure. Anytime, right?
0: And we'll be back in just a minute.
1: This is internet radio. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey.
0: We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and here we go with more discussions between myself and uh, Dr. Fred Hanna, doctor of pipes, doctor of psychology. So here's the first question. How has the Internet enhanced the pipe hobby or and or damaged the pipe hobby um i'll I'll, i'm gonna take a damaged first are you ready
3: oh please do go ahead
0: i think it has damaged the hobby because it has um made some of the uh it's made some of our brick and mortar shops weaker And we've lost some of the brick and mortars that didn't want to evolve or figure out a way to evolve. And they went the lazy route and focused on cigars and became a daddy daycare. So we lost. uh, (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) Haven't you heard that term?
3: I never heard that before. Oh yeah, that's great. yeah. I'm go going.
0: Ahead. We're going out. We're going out shopping. Dad want. Dad doesn't want to go with us, but we'll park him at the cigar shop. Give him ten bucks, and he can sit there for two hours.
3: Okay. Um, All right. That's a new one on me. But go ahead, man. You're, I'm, I'm following you.
0: Yeah. So I think the damage that it has done is it it has hurt some of the brick and mortars, and I miss some of them.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, now the way it's enhanced the pipe hobby, uh, I hate to say it, Fred, but when, you know, when you broke into the pipe hobby and, and when I did too, I mean, when I broke in pipes and tobaccos magazine was, had just started publications and the pipe smokers ephemeris was out and around. Uh, other than that, you had to get information by going to the pipe shops uh, talking to other pipe smokers, uh, when you broke in, I mean it was stone tablets and uh, and wheelbarrels. So, uh, <laughs> you know, now a pipe smoker that has been, you know, many of the show listeners, especially when I did the uh, uh, the novice pipe smokers, uh, those guys have ten fifteen years worth of pre internet knowledge in two years of going on pipe forms listening to podcasts watching youtube videos and never setting foot in a tobacco shop or going to a pipe show yeah Uh, and you can look at thousands of perfect straight grains every day on the internet
3: yes absolutely so so um was there more you wanted to say brian
0: no, I mean, your, your side of that, please.
3: Yeah, well, uh, first of all, I agree with you. Um, what I would add is that um, the negative aspect of the Internet is that sometimes you have people who have um, six months or a year or two or three years of experience, and they become self-proclaimed experts. <laughs> yeah. And those people on the, um, the forums or wherever uh, become so authoritative and they start forming um, these half-cocked uh, notions um, with no empirical basis whatsoever. It's just raw opinion, which a, a lot of the pipe world is. But if you're going to have a raw opinion, you should say it's a raw opinion and not parade it as fact. Yeah. And so that's what a lot of guys do. And unfortunately, there are some people who believe these guys, not because of what they say is so great, but they, you know, some some of us human folks, we have a tendency to listen to people who um, portray their themselves and their viewpoints with great certainty. And um, so they'll, you know, without ever saying so, they'll, you know, uh, portray or present themselves as experts. And if you've had a lot of experience smoking a pipe, you just shake your head and say, oh, no, don't tell people <laughs> that. Oh, no. You know, and and so that that to me is a serious, uh, a serious flaw, because I remember back in the old days when we had. Well, and, you know, like what you were talking about, too, um, all you had was, you know, direct interpersonal um, interaction. And, you know, you you bounce. Uh, I remember doing it many times. I'd say, you know, I heard somebody say this. What do you think? And, you know, somebody who's got 30, 40 um, years of pipe smoking will be able to reply to that in a very, very, um, how should we say, well-considered, and balanced perspective and you don't always see that on the internet you see a lot of prejudice a lot of bias a lot of uh illogical thinking um and uh that's troubling to me
0: (laughs) so what you're mentioning kind of reminds me of the uh of the the advice that i've given about tobacco is go on to tobacco reviews find a rev find a couple of reviewers that you like yeah. that that you that you kind of gel with you know yeah yeah because i've lit i've actually been on there and i've seen people review uh virginia perique blends and i didn't like it and da, 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 and by the way i hate all perique products well, well what <laughs> yeah, the I'm... hell what the hell are you doing reviewing a virginia perique if you don't like them uh don't review it yeah. yeah
3: or somebody says i hate latakia blends and mm-hmm. i didn't like this one okay one star yeah well yeah. <laughs> you know this guy wouldn't probably wouldn't know a good latakia blend if it came up and <laughs> attested itself to its ass, huh, To so, sorry, sorry, That was
0: out of line. Out yeah, of no, that was, no. That's fine because I, I, you know, some <laughs> some people's opinions are are the foundation is a uh, is a wet rice pa- or a wet rice paper bag full of shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, <laughs> right. But so I yeah. just shake my head, these guys, why do you write a review about something you admittedly know nothing about? I mean, how can you do that?
0: Yeah. Um, uh, so but, you know,
3: that should be another question in itself. What do you think of uh, TobaccoReviews.com? Mike Zika and I actually wrote an article about this in the, the pipe collector some time ago. Yeah. But that's another question in itself.
0: Well, and right. and the other question that I would like to spend time exploring is how do you how do you decipher or cipher through which person you want to listen to? How, you know? Um, yeah,
3: how, yeah, what, that's abs- absolutely true. How th-
0: you um, know? How thick is your bovine defecation filter? <laughs>
3: yeah. Well. Um, so the, the, uh, the issue here is that, um, on the other hand, the Internet is an absolutely fantastic thing because, like you said, we see pipes that we would never never normally see, yeah. which has had downsides. Yeah. Because um, back in the old days, good quality Costello pipes were rare. And you didn't see them when all there was was in the shops because of the, a lot of the shops couldn't afford to buy them. Yeah. And so the only time, the only shops that would carry big-time Costellos or really rare Dunhills or Sheratons are um, a lot of times these shops would be in major cities. And if you didn't live in a major city, um, I remember I had to drive down to Columbus from Toledo, the town I grew up in. I had to drive down to Columbus to see the GBD Uniques and the certain Supremes and higher, and uh, and that was in uh, Jose's uh, Smokers Haven,
4: mm-hmm.
3: which is now run by our friend Premo. And um, but you know, <clears throat> on the internet, oh my God, you know, just do a a search, you'll see all kinds of amazing pipes. Yeah, and <clears throat> so that's that's one advantage. Another advantage of the internet, to me, is it enhances the camaraderie, if you can find a good group of people that you can relate to. And of course, uh, Zoom groups have become um, quite common since uh, you know COVID um, arrived. Yeah. And so you see people having pipe meetings literally on, on Zoom, which are incredible fun, and once again, Enhance the relationship factor of the pipe hobby.
0: <laughs> as, so, as soon as some people learned how to operate Zoom.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. there's always that. Yeah. Um, you're right, <clears throat> but the uh, the other thing about the internet was what I was saying about Costellos and all of that is, and Barlings especially, is that the prices of Barlings have gone down now because of eBay. Mm -hmm. which, of course, is an Internet thing. And many um, Dunhill prices have gone down, not the higher-end Dunhill, but a lot of the the Dunhill uh, shells have come way down in price because they became um, commonly available on eBay. And, you know, one of the things that sets value is the whole idea of, of scarcity. And so all of a sudden, we had access to Costello's, that were higher grade. We had access to um, barlings. And you know, the Barling Quaint, for example, was at one time this great prize sought after by collectors. And Barling Quaints now just look like a rusticated pipe. And they're not as as difficult to find. Um, Even the pre-trans Barlings are not as difficult to find. Their prices have gone way down. And I think that's because of the uh, the change in scarcity because of eBay and other uh, internet pipe sellers,
0: yeah. and I'll also add in that I know from you know from my Disney collecting and other things that I collect, yes, eBay has damaged the uh, the the market has come down on stuff. I don't want to say it's damaged it. Uh, but the other thing that it's done is especially for somebody that's relatively new, uh, there it's inundated them with options and yeah. confuses the consumer to the point where some of them just you know give up and walk away because there's so many options. I mean, I think when I when I first started buying and selling uh, the occasional things on eBay, there might be uh 1200 pipe listings on eBay, and now I think there's over a hundred thousand. <laughs>
3: god isn't that amazing yeah yeah i first started on ebay in 1998. Yeah. i actually looked it up recently and um there were pipes on ebay which absolutely astonished me and pleased me to no end but man that's turned into a monster now man i mean it's just huge i was looking the other day uh, at my list of uh, pipes in my collection just to see how many had come from eBay, and it was pretty scary the number of pipes I bought from eBay, which tells me that I would not <laughs> have had in all likelihood I would not have had that pipe those pipes unless there was an internet and so that has personally added to my collection,
0: yeah, so uh, I mean just right now looking, there is uh, eighty seven thousand searches in the pipe category wow. <laughs> So there's some there's some uh, there's a lot of damage out there cuz you can get really lost wondering what's what and confused between the differences and finding the right seller and finding the yeah so anyway I think we've uh, <laughs> I I think the internet's here to stay no matter what we do.
3: Oh, that's for sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and we will take a break right here and be back with another question in just a moment.
5: for over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr, worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mila 100,000 welcomes. Wherever you come from, whosoever you be.
0: And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And to finish up with this week's uh, Inside Fred's Head, here comes one more question. And Fred, we're we're recording now what will be the shortest answer for you ever. (laughs) The question that you wrote down is, what is your favorite finish, rusticated, blasted, or smooth, and why? Go ahead, answer it.
3: Well, mine obviously is uh, a smooth finish, but of course, it's not just a smooth finish. It has to have an exceptional, not just vague, um, but exceptional percentage of straight grain. Um, not necessarily 360, but where the straight grain is the, and the sides and the front is where I prefer it. Um, it has to be exceptional. And obviously, that's a smooth finish. Um, some people will prefer. I know people will prefer a sandblast. Yeah, um, I yeah. asked Jim Cook to make me straight grains, and he just laughs and says those are my seconds. Um, and you know, I'm sure that uh, you know. I I mean, I love Jim Cook like a brother, but I uh, he has no use for me. whatsoever.
0: <laughs> do um, you uh, do you have a preference in color of the stain? Because you know. Uh, smooth pipes come in, a, you know, come in everything from very light in, you know, almost a natural blonde into more reddish and browns.
3: Oh, as long as I can see the grain, and sometimes when you when you smoke a pipe, it gets darker and darker. Mm-hmm. Um, but because that's just the the effect of the heat on the wood. Um, but when you smoke a pipe, uh, it gets darker. So you have to take that into account, but I, as long as I can see the grain, I don't really care. I don't. I, I confess, I do not. I do not like red pipes. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big fan of red pipes, but they change colors as you, as you smoke them too. Um, I remember I once had a Sir Jacopo that was so red, I actually um, went to the hardware store and bought some. Uh, Oh, I forget what they. What are they? What's the active ingredient in fingernail polish, Brian? I can't. It's escaping me at the moment.
0: <laughs> turpentine?
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't turpentine. Anyway, <clears throat> it's the active ingredient in, um, uh, uh, fingernail polish. So I, I went and bought you know a can of that, and I redid the entire bowl just to get rid of the red. And <laughs> man, you should see that pipe now. It is just fantastic um it it lightened up and the red is gone it's uh so i don't know why but i've just never liked red pipes um and there aren't any blue or purple so i don't have to worry about those um but the the thing about finish is and a lot of people don't understand my angle on this is that i love all pipes and if there weren't any smooth pipes I'd still be smoking sandblasts or, or um because I love pipes. But I also love nature, and straight grain to me is a thing of nature. And um, I think that rustication and sandblasting is a disruption of what Mother Nature really wants to show us because we're actually altering um uh it's original state.
0: <laughs> the and Grand so, the Grand Canyon yeah. must really annoy you, huh?
3: Uh well the Grand Canyon <laughs> was made by nature. It wasn't made <laughs> by, by us. <laughs> so,
0: well it's carved out I'm just saying.
3: Yeah, yeah. But the the uh so I like rusticated pipes, I like sandblasted pipes, I like bird's eye pipes, um smooth pipes with bird's eye. Um and I like smooth i like rusticated no sorry i like sandblasted pipes that show off bird's eye those are really cool but you know i can't collect everything brian so i collect the one thing i like the most and those are straight grains i like all kinds of pipes but i can't collect everything because i ain't that rich and i don't have that much money anyway i don't want to be like you know um rest in peace Tom Caldwell, who owned close to a hundred thousand pipes, please rescue me! Now. I'm about to to faint every time I think about that. I can't do that. I I want uh, I, I so I decided to focus on what I like best in everything. And a lot of people they make the assumption, well, Fred don't like straight or sorry, he don't like rustication. He don't like sandblast. That's not true. I just get what I just collect what I like the most
0: and I've and I have developed a more diverse view where y- yes I smoke my sandblasted pipes more than I smoke my smooth pipes and that's just because uh, the sandblasted are a little more carefree for me I don't have to worry mm-hmm. about you know I don't have to worry about scratching them I don't have to worry about them mm-hmm. getting as hot because um, we've talked about that you know i think they're cooler sorry um and and i also think you know from a budgetary standpoint sandblasted pipes except in the case of mr jt cook whose seconds are smooths um and are cheaper uh you know except in his situation a sandblasted pipe is less expensive so i get more bang for my buck with it um, you know, I, I, it, it's just a matter of, you know, sometimes it's a matter of money where I'd rather get, uh, I'd rather get three, two or three sandblasted pipes instead of one, maybe two really, really nice smooths. And I don't have anything that's a Dr. Hannah caliber, perfect straight grain, because even when it gets up to that point, I look at it and go, well, wait a second, I can get two really nice smooths instead of this one perfect straight grain so (laughs) that's true too or then i even back it down further to where instead of the two really good smooths i can get four sandblasted pipes instead of that one perfect straight grain so now i've got four pipes
3: yeah yeah good point
0: give me a good give me a good sandblast and i'm as happy to look at that and feel it and touch it and hold it as i am a perfect straight grain
3: Yeah. True, and and a lot of people assume, because I collect perfect straight grains, they assume that I think that those are the best smokers, and I just want to make that clear. This is absolutely untrue. I don't think that a straight ring smokes any better than any other kind of smooth finish. I also think that a smooth finish smokes just as cool. We talked about this before. Mm-hmm. As rusticated or sandblasted pipes. Um, and But I, I don't collect straight grains because they smoke better. I, I, I just don't believe that at all. Yeah. Pure, that's purely aesthetic to me. I love to smoke a pipe and then turn the bowl in my hand and just look at all that beauty. I'm sorry. That's part of the enjoyment for me.
0: And I like the diversity of my smooth pipes with yeah you know, brown stain and red. I got a couple of red stained pipes that smoke Virginia's just like oh, candy. Yeah. Uh, can't explain it. Uh, I like the different sizes and shapes that are you know, my sizes and shapes are relatively similar, but there's enough variation in there that you know I smoke basically one type of tobaccos so i get a little variation out of them by the different pipes Uh,
3: well see now let me ask you a question if you don't mind no what do you think brian about uh in my case if i have a pipe that's pretty much exactly the same shape um in a freehand i'm talking now Mm -hmm. um as another pipe that i have when you go when you look at that pipe And it looks a lot like a pipe that you already own, but you love that pipe that you already own. What's your thought on buying another one just like it, or close to it, at least? What do you think?
0: I have. I have actually commissioned a uh, pipe maker that you and I both know named Jody Davis.
3: Uh Uh-huh. Okay.
0: I commissioned him to make me a backup, to one of his pipes that I have of his. Wow. I I wanted him to make a backup for it. If I I love something enough to covet one of them, why not have a second one as a backup in case you damage the first one, lose the first one, whatever happens to the first one, have a backup for it.
3: Yeah. Well, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Now uh, along along those same lines um I was talking to Fred Zanusik one day and he showed me he you know I was at his house and he was he uh pulled out a pipe and he showed it to me and he said this is the best pipe I ever I've ever owned mm-hmm. it's fantastic it's got in gra- incredible flavor it's it's a fantastic smoker and this is all you'd ever want so guess what he did? He sent the pipe back to the pipe maker and said, <laughs> please make another pipe exactly like this uh-huh. because, you know, I, I love this shape and the this, this smoking quality is unparalleled, blah, blah, blah. And sure enough, the pipe maker, who was in Italy, did exactly that, made a perfect duplicate, I know because I saw the pipe, a perfect duplicate of... The one that Fred was so crazy about, and guess what? Brian?
0: Doesn't smoke the same, does it?
3: It doesn't smoke the same. So here we go back to my old thing about you know it's not the brand, it's the briar.
0: Ah, but wait, um, but wait, I have the answer for you. Because I have the same situation here with uh, with a couple of my with with my Jody with my little Jody workhorse pipes. It's unfair to compare a brand new pipe that was made a year ago and has maybe been smoked 25 times to a pipe that has been smoked over 500 times because there is a break-in there is an a a cake building there is a seasoning process that the pipe has to go through in order to be that you can't compare the two
3: you're right some pipes but i asked fred about this one he said it was fantastic from the first smoke and um so there's no and i hear what you're saying and i agree mm-hmm. there is a break-in factor and there is a seasoning factor and all those things of course which contribute to a great smoking pipe but in this particular case fred said, how many thousands of pipes does this guy smoked? <laughs> yeah. right
0: yeah
3: i mean he started smoking what 1961 or something like that and This was the best smoking pipe that he had, and he said it smoked incredible from, from the get go. And but what you just said, just because you have the same shape doesn't mean you have the same taste.
0: Yeah, and And you got a different, you got a different piece of wood from a different, yeah, possibly from a different side of the hill, possibly from a whole different process.
3: You
0: you got all those. So, so the the moral of the story is. Enjoy the hell out of your favorite pipes.
3: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Don't be afraid of them, but you also have to keep your eyes open to continuously looking, you know, looking for new pipes and, and trying new things. Cause your magic pipe now, or your, or your best smoking pipe right now. And I'm using my big jazz hands to accentuate best smoking pipe right now. Uh, you know could be your new number two once you find a number a new number one exactly yeah
3: that's that is so true and there's there's another myth out there that says that a um a really great pipe has to smoke um re- really great in the first one or two bowls and that's just not true
0: uh-uh nope nope a really great smoking pipe has to smoke really great once you've gotten a yeah, you know, so I I really enjoy a pipe that smokes really good the first time. Oh yeah, uh, but I've also had them turn bad after a while. And oh, I've had wow. Wow. I, I've had bad ones turn good. So,
3: yeah. I uh, and you've had bad ones that stay bad. <laughs> yes,
0: and I don't have them anymore. Um That's
3: right.
0: Yeah, you know, I yeah, you know, and and again, it may not be that the pipe was bad. It may be just the marriage between me and the pipe was not good, or me and my type of tobacco, or me and my packing technique, or I was just you know, I was menstruating that week, and you know, I don't know.
3: Um. Well, okay. We're let's talk about that in our next session.
0: <laughs> so we'll we'll uh, wrap I, we'll wrap this one up on that note.
3: Pipe <laughs> smoking. And menstruation.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> that may get edited out. Maybe not. Depends on my mood. <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay, buddy.
0: And there you go. Hope you survived it. Um, more, more discussions with Fred in future episodes. We'll be back in just a minute.
3: Since its beginnings in 1876, Savonelli has become more than just a pipe factory, it's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high-quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black-tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark, they're a way to help you make your mark.
2: This is Internet Radio.
0: And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And I just want to make sure and mention uh, make sure that if you're on YouTube, go over to Ash's Chaps Guide, C H A P S Guide chaps guide on youtube ash has a ton of great videos there and of course uh dr fred Hanna's book the perfect smoke is available on uh, amazon kindle and then you get to see the pictures in color as opposed to the outdated uh (laughs) printed version or out of print printed version which the pictures were only in black and white all right for music we uh i got an email from chris carter talking about some other stuff and uh in there he also said a music suggestion how about guy clark who we've played on here and he requested cornmeal waltz so here's guy clark doing cornmeal waltz (laughs)
4: Like cornmeal on a dance-off floor For dancing the night away Slipping and sliding Effortlessly gliding In the arms of my sweet lily maid So I shined up my boots And ironed my shirt And pulled on some new blue jeans Oh, brushed off my hat, slicked back my hair I'll beat all that she's ever seen There's nothing like listening to the fiddles play While doing are in the cornmeal walls There's nothing to keep you from drifting away strung up all around so all the little kids can see. The pickups are parked from here to the road. The beer is so cold it might freeze. Stars are all out, the band's in tune, it smells like a bar. Nothing like listening to fiddles play while they're in the corn walls. There's nothing to keep you from drifting. I've had belt buckles bumping in time. There's a little girl dancing on her daddy's toes, spinning around on the dime. Grandma and grandpa are out on the floor, dancing like they've lost their mind. There's old maids and bachelors and sweethearts alike, all moving in three quarters time. There's nothing like listening to the fiddles play while in a the cornmeal ball. There's nothing to keep you from drifting away. There's new in the.
0: As I was listening to that, I got hungrier and hungrier and hungrier. Why? Because I live in the southern United States where cornbread and hush puppies, both made out of cornmeal, are a tradition. And the way you tell if you're in a good southern traditional restaurant is how good is the cornbread and how good are the hush puppies. So there you go. Uh, thanks for sending that in. If you've got any music suggestions or requests, please email them to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Sunday, Monday. You've got
4: mail. Tuesday, Wednesday. You've got mail. Thursday,
0: you've got mail. And mailbag comments or questions can be emailed directly to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, and obviously, since we're away pre-recording this, I've actually gotten caught up on the mailbag. So... Uh, not much to talk about that way i i will remind you of course you know get yourself to a pipe show if you can obviously there's uh you know chicago's right around the corner and uh, we're working on uh, reviving the west coast pipe show and hopefully by the time this show has come out we will have dates secured for las vegas in october uh and of and there's other pipe shows around the country, too. So if you want to find a pipe show near you, go on to PipesMagazine.com. Kevin keeps a good list of them there. Uh, and then also going back to uh, Chris, who recommended the, uh, uh, recommended the music. Uh, he said, uh, hi, Brian, I've been listening faithfully since I discovered your show six months ago or so. It's become a highlight of my week. I'm currently listening to your latest with Fred Hanna, smoking cobblestone brick burly plug, which is surprisingly good, and finally getting around to writing you for the first time. So he wrote me and got a couple of questions there. And then he said, Lastly, I want to make a plug for connecting with your local pipe club. I recently started hanging out with the guys at the CORE, here in richmond virginia and it's been a blast just this past week i sat across from one of the three remaining charter members and just picked his brain regarding all things pipe related what a tremendous opportunity to talk pipe shapes pipe making and tobaccos with someone who's been in the hobby for decades thank you and he says thank you john uh thank you brian for all you do for all you do to pour into this storied hobby, because of you, I've found new tobaccos to try, connected with some great brick and mortars, and generally grown my enjoyment of the pipe smoking lifestyle. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much, Chris. We will. Uh, we'll, we'll keep it going. Uh, and again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Suggestions, email them to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, JDRF items please let me know what you've got. Email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. All right, rant time is coming up next.
1: There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri corn corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com.
6: Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation? Or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through smokingpipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack, inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of smoking pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888 366 345 That's eight eight eight. Three six six zero three four five cowboy cowboy
0: so I mentioned it sarcastically in the discussion with Fred, but men do have a monthly cycle of some sort. It's not quite as, it's not nearly as dramatic as what women suffer from, but men do have a. Uh, a biological cycle shall we call it some people call it menstruating, but uh, men do have a cycle and there's times when you there's times in the month for a couple of days where you may find that you're tired or than normal or you may find that you're craving salty foods or you're craving sweet foods uh, there are times in uh, where I find that I'm craving more caffeine uh, there are times when I'm finding that I'm craving my pipe more there are times when Kevin Godby doesn't feel like having a doesn't feel like having two drinks before noon uh there so we run through these cycles and identifying these cycles is tough but at the same time uh it's also a time when we probably shouldn't be evaluating pipes or pipe tobacco you know if you're feeling like you're having cravings or you're feeling a little weird that's probably not the best time to taste test a brand new tobacco uh it's probably not the best time to try out a new pipe it's probably a time when you should really just kind of step back and say okay i gotta go for the ride on this but uh just identify that men do go through cycles biologically each on a rhythm and we've got to figure out what they are and we shouldn't do rational things during those times or irrational things i should say Uh, but yeah just make sure that you identify that and if you're feeling those little extra cravings and stuff like that well hey maybe you are doing that maybe you uh You know, maybe you need to drink a little extra water and get a little extra rest for a couple of days and then back down on it. But again, you know, to you women that are listening, it's not nearly as dramatic. Sorry, you have to go through all that. But uh, hey, you know, pipe should make it better, right? Just sit down with your pipe and relax. Yeah, should make it all better. All right. Again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. I want to say thank you again to Ash for joining me. Thank you to Fred Hanna, as always. Thank you all for tuning in, and until next time. Happy trails to you
4: Until, you meet until we meet again, again. Happy trails He's to you bombade da until then Who cares about the clouds when we're together Just sing a song and think about sunny
1: weather.
5: Happy trails to you (laughs) you (laughs) till we
2: meet again.
4: (laughs) It's very important you don't stink
3: today. Hey, I make no guarantees.